to Ignite Depot. My name is Apostle Milton Jones, and I'm so glad you took the time out to join us tonight. Man, I guarantee you, you're in a treat for a great word, a, a great time, a great encounter with the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is at hand, and he's here to remove burdens and to destroy yokes and to change your life forever. Man, we've been talking about the hidden strategies of the enemy and how to expose them. And if you go back over the last two or three weeks, we've been talking about the different types of strategies that the enemy has has been has been using to try to trip you up because his ultimate goal is to do one of three things his goal is to eat this according to john chapter 10 verse 10 he either wants to steal he wants to kill or he wants to destroy now what is it that he's trying to steal he wants to steal your identity he wants to kill your purpose and ultimately his goal is to destroy your life but jesus also said in that same verse he says the thief comes to steal kill and destroy he says but i came he says i came that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. What kind of life is that? The God kind of life. What kind of life is that? That's the life where like it was in on earth, just like it is in heaven, like it was before Adam and Eve ever bowed their knee to the adversary's temptations and surrender their authority over to him. Man, God is a good God. He's an awesome God. He's an on time God and he's worthy to be praised. So we're going to take the time out this evening. We're going to pray. We're going to make a declaration and we're going to get right into the word for God's desire for you and God's desire for me and God's desire for the entire world is that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. One of the greatest things that, that, that most people don't even take time out to discover is what is the strategy that the adversary is trying to use against them. Man, I know back in the States right now, this is college football season this is the national football league season and here over in canada this is the canadian football league season and what both those teams do each week they get the film of the other team and what do they do they begin to uh, watch it and they begin to examine it and they begin to study what are they trying to understand they want to understand the strategies the tricks the schemes the 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 plays that the other team is going to use to try to one advance the ball or two they want to be able to just set up a defense that tries to prevent the other team from scoring on them man how much more is it important for you and important for me to know when the adversary what are the strategies of the adversary and what are the weapons that god has given me in order to overcome him every single time so i hope i got your attention i hope man, you like man <laughs> go ahead give me more give me more because man we have more in store for you in the name of jesus now i'm gonna make this declaration and then we're gonna pray and we're gonna get right into the word it says this in according to isaiah 61 and 1 it says this it says the spirit of the lord god is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn. He says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old ways, and they shall, shall 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 raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Father, we give you glory.
We thank you, we honor you, and we praise you. Father, for it is to you we give all the praise. Father, in your name. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory for this opportunity, this time in your word. Father God, I pray that our preaching and teaching will not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but let it be in demonstration of spirit and power, that the faith of the people lie not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the Most High God. Holy Spirit, you're here. Move up and down each and every highway. Touch each and every person. Touch each and every household. Touch each and every individual who's listening to this by way of podcast. Touch them. Heal them. Strengthen them. Restore them. Comfort them. Father, we declare that they will receive your your shalom peace. We believe, Father God, right now they're receiving a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. We believe right now, Father God, that burdens and, and, and are being removed and yokes are being destroyed and, and chains are being broken off and distractions are being eliminated right now. And wrong mindset and wrong strongholds are being destroyed in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, that they will have the mind of Christ. Father God, that they will have the heart, they will have your heart, your love, your compassion, your mercy, your grace. They receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Heal, touch right now in Jesus' name. That every sickness and every disease, it bows to the name of Jesus. The spirit of poverty and lack, it bows to the name of Jesus. The spirit of confusion, of of inferiority, of fear, you bow to the name of Jesus. You have no place of authority and you bow your knee to the name of Jesus. Father, right now, lives are being restored. People are being healed. Relationships are being mended. We call it done in Jesus' name. Amen and glory to God. Hallelujah. Make this confession with me. Get your Bible. I'll say this. Say, this is my Bible. The Bible is God speaking to me. The Bible is the truth. It reveals what I should think. It tells me what I should believe. It tells me how I should walk. The word of God is the most important thing. Say that with me again. The word of God is the most important thing in life. Why is the word of God? Why do you say that every week? Why do you say the word of God is the most important thing in life? Because of this. I'm going to give you, I have a multitude of reasons why, but I'm only going to share you two. Turn, go over to, or write this down, Psalms 119, verse 130. Psalms 119, verse 130. And it says this, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. It says, the entrance and unfolding of God's words gives light or gives revelation. The their unfolding or the unfolding of God's word gives understanding. It gives discernment and comprehension to the simple. Why do you need God's word to give you understanding and comprehension? Because it will show you the way that you should go the the decisions you should make the direction you should go the the things that you should say the things you shouldn't say the things you should do the things you shouldn't do how can you find all that out all in is all in the word how do you know all that the word of god is the most important thing verse the second my first second uh, piece of evidence is this john chapter 8 verse 31 says this jesus was saying this to those who believed on him he says If you abide in my 
word. Abide means if you hold fast to them, he says, to my teachings and live according to with them he says it's not only enough for you just to hear it he says but you have to hear it and you have to 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 begin to operate or live according to what the word says that's the same thing as saying in, in psalms 119 and 130 when when you get the word it brings revelation or it brings understanding or, or gives discernment to you so to, to the simple and, and helps you so you know the way that you should go and then it goes on to saying john it says he says not only this he says not only when you hear it not only when you abide in it not only when you hold fast to it not only when you live according to it he says but this this is what this is the only thing that could make you free he says when you continue or abide in the word appearing to it living according to it he says then are you jesus true disciples true followers true students true truly submitted and he's truly the head of your life he says and you will intimately know the truth not just have head knowledge of it but you will have revelation knowledge on the inside of it the on inside of you that tells you this is the way i should go this is the way i should live this is the way i should think this is the way i should believe this is the way i should act he says and when you can when you get to the point where you know it like that, where, I mean, you know that you know that you know because it's become a part of your everyday life, he says that word or that truth will make you free. It didn't just say set you free. It says it's going to make you free. Why? Because when you begin to do it God's way, when you sold out and say, I'm going to be a true disciple and I'm going to follow the teachings and instructions of the word of God and the ones that the, the truth that Jesus has taught, he says, then I'm going to live my life just according to the word. And when I do, it begins to break off those old chains and it begins to tear down those old mindsets and it begins to change the way that I see things. It changes the way that I hear things. It changes the way that I receive it. And, and when I do, it's going to change how I'm going to act. What is that called? One word. Y'all want to hear it? What's that one word? Repent. What does that mean? Change your mind. Change your thinking. Change your actions. And change your directions. What does that sum up? Our, year, our word for the year. And, and the year, word for the year has been this. This is a year of correction, direction, protection, and perfection. Correction, raising you to a standard of truth. See, when you receive the correction, what does it do? It changes your direction and points you in the way that you should go. And why you, is he trying to show you, give you correction to change your direction? Because he's ultimately trying to protect you from all evil, hurt, harm, and danger to bring you to a place of what? Total wholeness and perfection. That's the whole goal. And how does he do it? He uses his word. Second Timothy chapter three, it talks about how the, the word of God is, is breathed and it, and it is for correction. It is for reproof. It is for rebuke. So to, what does it do? It does not try to tear you down. What it does, it tries to 
uh, change the way that you think so that you can go in a different direction so that you can apply that word to your everyday life. The word of God is, is not grievous. God's commandments are not grievous. His ways are not hard. It may be hard on your flesh, but his ways are not hard because this ultimate goal, why he gives his word to you in the first place, why he gives his word to me in the first place is for one reason. You want to know what that reason is? Because he loves you like a parent. A parent doesn't doesn't correct their child and teach them the way that they should go and try to point them in a di different direction to keep them from all hurt, harm, and danger because they and, and to bring them up in the way that they should go because they hate their child because they, they, they correct that child. They discipline that child. Why? Because ultimately it's love that drives it. Love is the driving force by why you correct your child. Love is the driving force why you try to teach your children the way that they should go. Love is the driving force that's, that wants you to, for, to train your children up in a way so they can live their best life yet. And if you can do that as a parent, how much more will God do it for you? All you're doing is mimicking what he already does. He teaches you because he loves you. He corrects you by his word, not with calamity, not with sickness and disease, not poverty and lack, not striking your, killing one of your relatives. And no, 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 no. He teaches you. He corrects you. He disciplines you through his word. Now, if you make a decision that you're going to do your own thing because you're smelling yourself right now and you think you're big, bad enough, you can do your own thing. Hey, he's not going to stop you. Because there's people I ever heard somebody say one time, God will make you. God will not make you do anything. Did you hear that? He will not make you do anything. He won't and the devil can't. He can't make you do it. He won't make you do anything. And the devil can't make you do anything. Because if he can make you do something, he'd make you go out and try to kill yourself. That's what the adversary would do. He would try to make you kill yourself. God will never do that. God will set before you. This is the choice. This is my way of doing things. You have a choice whether or not you're going to do it. We've been talking about, like last week, we was talking about how loose lips sink ships and how, man, there's power in your words the week before and how, man, the adversary will try to get you to use your words against yourself and how your weapon, your mouth is like a shotgun. And every time you aim it at, at, at something, you're either aiming it against the adversary's wiles, tricks, and schemes, or most of the time what people do is they take their weapon, which is their mouth, and turn it on their self, and they're firing all kind of bullets at their self. You're no good. You're not worthy. You don't add up. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you saying all those things about yourself, and God doesn't ever say that about you. In fact, the, God only thinks good things towards you. How do you know that? He says in Jeremiah uh, uh, 29 and 11, I know the thoughts that I'm thinking towards you, thoughts of good and not evil, to prosper you and to give you an expected end. He said last week, he, uh, the week, two weeks ago, he says there's power in your words. Last week he was talking about there's, there's your loose lips will sink ships and how, the, and according to Proverbs 18 and 21, that death and life is in the power of your tongue. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. So when you're just letting your words just fly all over the place, loose lips, not having any control of your mouth, like we talked about in James chapter three, it, it's a little, it's a little member, but that little member called your tongue can set a whole house, a whole 
company, a whole community, a whole nation ablaze. He also went, was talking about how, you know, you got to guard your heart. We talked about that in Proverbs chapter four, living intentionally. You got to guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? Number one, you got to live intentional. You know, a lot of times when people, they pray the prayer of salvation and yep, I'm born again. And then they just kind of sit there like it's going to fall on them like ripe cherries from off the tree. It doesn't happen that way. What do you have to do? You have to live intentionally after you have found life. After you realize that in according to John chapter 10 and 10, that Jesus came to give you life in abundance to the full till it overflows and you found out in john 3 16 that god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life man now you got life now you got the god kind of life now you have a new beginning you have a fresh start and now you got to understand how do i walk in this new thing called the god kind of life because you never lived in this life before you never lived in this kingdom before you never lived in this way before so if you continue to operate the same way you were before you came to the cross after you leave the cross how much do you think it's going to change in your life let me help you very little if anything why because your spirit man the real you is brand new but your soul which is your mind your will and emotions your choosing your feel your thinker is still the same it hasn't gotten the upgrade just kind of like you know uh, when Pastor Joanne got a got a uh, iPad Air, and she had, and the first thing they want to do is give her an upgrade. Now it's brand new, just out of the box, and the first thing it's saying is you got to do a software update. What is that software update doing? Allowing that equipment to do something now that it wasn't able to do before. And it's the same thing when it comes to the Word of God. When you get into the Word of God, when you begin to meditate in the Word of God day and night, when you begin to make the Word of God the first the most important thing in your life when you realize that when you get the word of God it brings about understanding and revelation and discernment in the way that you should go and when you continue in that word it's going to make you free so that means you got to get a upload you got to get a upgrade what are you upgrading you're upgrading that software that's been in your life from the day that you was born that old nature that old way of doing things that old way of talking that old way of dating that old way of dealing with situations and circumstances that old way of paying your bills that old way of, of, of addressing your mother and your father your old way of how you raised your children god says that when you get in my word when you give attention to my word when you make it first place in your life he says there's power in that word there's healing in that words there's deliverance in that word there's wholeness in that word and it will change your life forever Proverbs 4 20 says this, it says, he says, he says, my son, give attention to my words. He says, incline your ears, open your ears, be attentive, open your ears to my sayings. Don't let my words depart from your eyes. What, do you, what is he saying? Not only do you need to keep that word going in your ears, you need to keep it before your eyes. He says, so you can keep that word in the midst of your heart. What did we find out a couple weeks ago? And out of the abundance of your heart, Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of your heart, 
your mouth speaks. Matthew chapter 15 says that if I really want to know what's going on on the inside of you, you might look one way on the outside, but it's what's in your heart that comes up out of your mouth is what defiles you. You you know, sometimes you, I, man, I've known people on the outside, they were so clean. They was dressed to the nine. They had all the name brand things and they looked like they had it all going together until they open their mouth and when they open their mouth all the beauty that you've seen on the outside became tainted by what was coming out of the inside of them which was what the real them i don't go by what i see when i mean you know when i see people at church you people are supposed to act like they got sense at church that's not tells you that doesn't tell you where that person really is if you really want to understand where they're at listen to the words that's coming out of their mouth Particularly when they get squeezed, particularly when they got all kind of H-E double hockey stick going on in their life and, and, and our H-E double L going on in their life. And you're trying to and, and they're saying all kind of stuff that's coming out of their mouth because that was in their heart. And he's saying to you, son, give attention to my word, son, incline your ears to my son, son, our daughter. Don't let my words depart from your eyes. Keep them in your heart. Why? Because they, the words, that the word of God, they are life to those who find them and they are health and healing to your flesh. You can be reading the word of God and receive healing just by reading it. You can, you can be reading the word of God and begin to receive wholeness, a restoration in your mind or in your thinking. You can, you can be reading the word of God and just by reading it, it will make you whole it will make you heal it will make you free he says why do you got to guard your heart he says he says for out of your heart he says man you got to keep your heart you got to guard your heart because out of the uh, out of out of your heart will come all of the issues of life if you want to know the things that's going on in your life you gotta just check it what's going on in your heart how do you check what's going on in your heart listen to the words that's coming out of your mouth it's all it's all there. He says this. He says, keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence. He says, for out of your heart spring the issues of life. He says, he says, you have to put away from you. You, not God. You, not God. You, not your pastor. You, not your mama. You, not your not not your cousin or your auntie or pookie. Not you. You have to put from you, away from you, a deceitful mouth. What's a deceitful mouth? What is deception? A mouth of error. A mouth that goes contrary to what the word of God. How do you know it's contrary to the word of God? Because then the next thing it says, put perverse lips far from you. We talked about perversion. We talked about perverse. What does that mean? To take something that is true and turn it to something that's out. Take something that is true and cause it to be a lie. It also says this in, in uh, Job chapter 6. Still talking about you have to be intentional. You have to guard your heart because out of your mouth come the issues of life. It says this in Job chapter 6 verse 23. It says this. It says, oh, deliver me from my enemies or redeem me from the hands of oppressors. Teach me. In other words, teach me and I will hold or control my tongue because me to understand where I have erred. In other words, David is praying to 
uh, Job was praying, and he says, hey, re redeem me, deliver me from the hands of my enemies, redeem me from the hand of my oppressor. He says, Lord, teach me, teach me, and I will hold my tongue. In other words, I'm going to put a clamp down on my tongue and cause me to understand wherein I have erred. What is he saying? Man, I, I, I need to teach me how to hold my mouth, keep my mouth closed, and then that way I, it will help me. It will What it will do is help me to understand when you're teaching me, Lord, you will help me to understand where I have erred. So many times when people get in trouble, the first thing they start doing, they start talking. They start talking about this. They start talking about this. Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, this is going to happen. Now they have no evidence at all that that's going to happen, but because they don't, they haven't tamed or trained their mouth, what's going to happen is they're going to start letting those loose slips begin to sink ships because every time they let those words fly, pa-pow, 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 they're shooting a hole in the side of their own ship and the ship is taking on water and they're like, I don't understand why my ship is taking on water. He's telling you, you've got to guard your heart. You've got you to put a clamp on your mouth and allow God to cause you to understand where you have erred. Also in Psalms, Psalms chapter 39 and 1, it says this, it says, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. In other words, you got the adversary coming up against you and he's trying to put all kind of pressure on you. We talked about this a few a couple weeks ago, how, you know, one of the one of the tricks of adversary is you heard the word, you received the word with some joy and with some gladness, but because you haven't spent any time with that word to put roots down, what happens is he brings against you afflictions, he brings against you tribulations and he, and he causes you to become offended and when you become offended the first thing you do is you distrust, you desert, and you back away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you back away from God, the very one that you should trust in. And what's his ultimate goal is to get you to let go of the word. Because he knows if he gets you to let go of the word, you will never see what the word of God has to say come to pass in your life. So he says, guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue and restrain my mouth like a muzzle. In other words, I'm going to muzzle that thing up. I'm going to put a clamp on that thing because I know that loose lips will sink ships while my enemy is standing before me waiting on my words. Because see, what happens is when you begin to speak words that go opposite to what the word of God says, you know what happens? The you have released or licensed him and given him permission to bring to pass in your life everything that it is that you said. So you got to understand the adversary has nothing new. He can't create anything new. He may come up with different schemes or different tricks or strategies against you, but he, he it has to be something that already exists and he takes something that already exists. And what does he do? Like we talked about the word, he perverts it, which means what? Something that was true, something that was good, something that was pure. And he turns it into something else. And when you operate according to that way, then it, you bring about a different result. Think about it this way. When Adam and Eve was in the garden, they only had one truth. And what was that? That they were in the garden 
and they was in the garden, and they, they could eat of every tree in the garden except one, except this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that they ate of it, they should surely die. Now, that's what they knew. That's what they understand. That's, that's what they believe. That's what they acted on. That's how they received. Until the adversary came and presented a different opinion or a different view. Hey, did he really say you couldn't eat of all the trees in the garden? Did he really say you couldn't eat of all the fruit? And, and they said the same thing. Hey, you know what? He says we can eat of all the trees in the garden except this one, except this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that we eat of it, we shall surely die. What did the adversary do to pervert it? He says, you won't die. In other words, what God said is not true. He's, so he says, you, not, you ain't going to die. In fact, He's holding out on you because he knows that the moment you eat of that tree, you're going to be just like us. He said, having the knowledge of good and evil, all Adam and Eve knew was good. So what did the adversary do? He presented a different view to them. And now they have God's way. And then they have the adversary's way. Now, could the adversary, could the adversary make them make a decision? Nope. All he can do is present them with the opportunity to choose which way they're going to follow. The kingdom of God or the, or the of dark, kingdom of darkness. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? That's the way it still is today. God's way is always in the earth. In fact, it says that when Jesus came here, reestablished the kingdom of God. He says in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says this. It says, the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free or separated me from the law of sin and death. Is the law of sin and death still in the earth? Yes. Is the, is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus still in the earth? Yes. Depending on which way you make a decision to follow will determine what result you will get. It's not up to God. It's up to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not up to God. It's up to you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, it's not up to God. It's up to you. Now, point to yourself and say, hey, it's not up to God. It's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to me to decide whether I'm going to follow God's way or whether I'm going to go the world's way. God has already set, set before me life. Jesus has already came to restore life. But the adversary is still trying to steal, kill, and destroy, even though he realizes he has no power, he has no authority, he is an outlaw, he still tries to operate in the earth like he's still running things. But you are the determining factor. I am the determining factor in Jesus' name. Now, let me share you this word with you, this word of the Lord. He says this. He says, many people believe that the problem with the world is because of the sin of man. And it has its place. But much of the problem with the stagnant growth in the church is the indifference of those in the church concerning the word of God. And fulfilling the things that God has commanded them to do. He says, many have stopped praying as I have instructed. And many have stopped believing me for miracles, signs, and wonders. And many have stopped operating in my word on love at the level I, which I have required of them. So we, you, could, you could point your finger at this. And you could point your finger at that. And you could try to say, is this and is that? And he says, those things have their place, but he's talking about with the body, the body of Christ. He says the, the main issue is their indifference to 
his word. I'm like, what? He says, those who are in the body of Christ have an indifference concerning the word of God and the fulfillment of the things that he has commanded them to do. Now, what is what is indifference? And that word indifference simply means it, they, are, they are neutral. They are unconcerned. They're having no, the word is saying that the word has no influence or no preponderant weight. It says that they are neutral as to what is good or as, or what is evil. They're impartial. They're indifferent. He says they are passive. I'm like, what? He says, when you're indifferent to my word, as he's continuing, when you're indifferent to my word or you're impartial to my word or you're neutral as to what is good or what is evil or, or, or my word has no influence on you. He says this. He says, when you're indifferent to my word, he says, you see it as a suggestion and not a command that I've and he says, and that's a very dangerous place to be. He says, it's the same as despising my word or lightly esteeming it. And that will never work for your good. He says, it's no different than someone who's never heard the word because it's the same result. Sin. He says, uh, he says this, he says, in the day you hear my word, harden not your heart. Or don't lightly esteem my word based on your own experience or education. For I see what you don't see, God says. And he says, I hear what you don't hear. And I know what is coming now and in the future. So give ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to you this day. What is he saying? He says, when you become so indifferent, when you're impartial, when you see the word of God just as a suggestion, when you just say, hey, man, uh, there is no no absolute truth. And, uh, uh, you know, and and I, I, I empathize with them and I sympathize with them. So I'm going to back away from what it is that the word says. And I'm going to take what that other person has to say instead. God says it should never be that way. In fact, he says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, he said, don't be conformed to this world's way of doing things. He says, he says this. What he said, he says this. He says, he says, he says, don't be conformed to this world's way of doing things. In fact, I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation verse Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's miraculous mercies? To what is our response supposed to be? We are to surrender ourselves to God, to, to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. He says this, he says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. In other words, you can't, you can't be, uh, uh, have one foot in the world and have one foot in the church. It's either you are either all the way in the world or you all the way in the church, but there is no in between. He goes on to say, he says this, he says, he says, he says this, he goes on, he says, uh, don't. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but inwardly be transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Why is it important? Because uh, 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 Proverbs 23 and 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, 
so is he. He says, when you are trans have a total transformation, a reformation on how you think, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying, perfect in his eyes glory to god in fact it's telling us you know when it comes to the world it's telling us don't be un to separate ourselves from the ideology separate yourselves from the culture separate yourself from the way that the world does things in fact it says this in second corinthians chapter six just telling you how when you have mingled seeds when you're sowing seeds into the world and when you're sowing seeds from the church and when you're sowing seeds from what this group thinks and when you're trying to sow seeds from what the word of god is saying and you got all these different seeds that have been sowed in the same ground what happens we talked about this last week how what will happen is is your seed of the word will grow up but because you have weeds coming from other things in the world it will wrap around the word and begin to choke it out because you have given more place to the things of the world than you give it to the things of god it says this come on with me over to second corinthians chapter six and it says this in verse number 14 it says this it says don't be unequally yoked together hooked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? He goes on to say, he says, for you are talking about the believer, talking about someone who's, who's made Jesus the head of their life, talking about somebody who has surrendered their life to Christ. It's talking about somebody who has made a decision, they're going to be a disciple, which means they're, they're going to adhere to the word, live according to what the word has to say, and to the point that it makes them free. He's saying as he says this, he says, for you are the temple of God. Now that you're going to be not in the sweet by and by, he says, that's who you are now. He says, God, as God has said, God says this, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. What is he telling you to do? Come out from the ways of this world. Come out from the, 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 the superficial uh, customs of this world. Come out from the ideologies of this world. Come out from where it says that there's, there's no absolute truth. Come out where it's, they're saying that good is evil and evil is good. Come out where it says up is up. Uh, up down is up and uh, up is down come out from the twisted perverted thinking of the world he says this he says he says come out from among them and be separate says the lord do not touch what is unclean and i will receive you i will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughter says the lord almighty what does the word separate it means to set off to be set off by boundaries. You have to put boundaries. And remember, we said at the very beginning, how what does the word of God do? The interest of the word gives a light or gives revelation. It gives you understanding and discernment. What does it help you do? Helps you to see the way that you should go. Helps you to see the way that you should live. Shows you the way that you should think. Teaches you the way that you should believe. It tells you the way that you should act and carry yourself out. What does What is it doing? It's setting up 
boundaries. The more you live in it, now it, we're not talking about separationism and, and, you know, I just can't touch that. Oh, he's just filthy. Oh, I can't be nowhere around. It's not talking about that because how are you going to affect the world if you never have any kind of contact with them at all? He, what he's saying is, is even though you're physically in the world, you're not living according to this world because you have got a new upgrade you have got a new download of what of the kingdom of god's way of doing things and now you begin to operate in word and indeed talking about how you operate with other people so you cannot mingle your seed because mingle seed comes up what you will not see you won't see a harvest from that a mingled seed brings about no harvest because you can't have the world and the world word working at the same time expecting to get god's result it doesn't work that way ladies and gentlemen turn with me over to matthew chapter 13 24 now do i have friends who aren't born again yes what do we do we talk about the word all the time we do talk about the word but not all the time do i hang out with them and do the things that they do that will cause me to violate what the word of god has to say I can talk to you, I can go dinner with you, but when you start doing things that violate what the Word of God says, then I begin, I will tell you up front, you know I don't roll that way. You know we don't get down that way. You don't even have to not be born again. You could be born again and begin doing stuff that, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. I will tell you, man, you know we don't roll that way. Why? Because you think you're so much better? No, but I have set boundaries around me and said, this is my line and this is how far I can go. And this is how far I'm going to go. And anything beyond that causes me to compromise and causes me to waver from that which I believe. Now, let's talk about Mingle C. We're talking about how the strategy of your adversary this is one of the strategies. In fact, this is it's so subtle. He's using it with music. He's using this with movies. You might have a rapper on there. 12 songs you got on it. He's talking about cussing, suck it, lick it, bite it, pump it, hump it. I mean, you know, Cardi B and all of them. They say, I never, I didn't never heard females talk like that. And you got women who they they are shaping their ideologies. They're shaping their behavior. They're shaping their worth around you know, making sure it's WAP or, or do a nasty. And it's like, come on, man. There's so much more to you than that. Because I'm going to tell you, like, I don't care how much you do with a guy and let him do this and, and slap it, flip it, rub it down. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, if that man, if one, if he's doing all those things to you, he ain't the right one because he doesn't love you enough to put boundaries in place. Because if he will sleep with you before you get married, he will sleep with other people after you get married. Because what he's telling you, he has no boundaries. And it's the same thing for females. If she will sleep with you and let you do all kinds of things with her before you get married, she it will be easy for her to sleep with and let other people do to her things that you sh she should only be doing with you after you get married. If you have no boundaries. Matthew chapter 13. I'm reading again out of the Passion Translation. I'm reading verse 24 says this. It says, then Jesus taught them another pearl. He says, heaven's kingdom can be compared to a farmer who planted good seeds in his field. But when he, when everyone was asleep, an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and ran away. So the, the, they has a good farm, good harvest, have a good field, 
the farmer sowing good seeds, but then while he sleep, his enemy comes and puts weeds among his and among his uh, good seeds. And what happens? He says, and when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, it says the weeds also appeared. So the farmer's hard hands came to him and said, sir, wasn't that good seed that you sowed in the field? Where did all these weeds come from? He answered, he says, this was to be, he says, this has to be the work of an enemy. He says, they replied, do you want us to go and gather up all the weeds, all the weeds? He says, no. He says, if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat at the same time. Let them both grow together until the harvest. He says, at that time, I'll tell my harvesters to gather the weeds first and tie them all in bundles to be burned. Then they, then the, they will harvest the wheat and put them in my barn. What does it mean? What is he talking about here? When you, uh, when you sow the word of God on the inside of your heart, the field here he's talking about is your heart. And the good seeds he's sowing into the farmer or the or pastor or the apostle, prophet, evangelist, or teacher, or, or doing your time in the word is sowing good seeds into your field, sowing them into your heart. And what will the adversary do? He will tr try to get opportunities, whether through music, whether through movies, whether through social media, whether on your job, in your community, whether through your government, whether through your family and friends, to begin to sow other weeds into, your, into that same field. How is he going to get those weeds in? By what it is that you hear by what it is that you see and what it is that's coming out of your mouth. Because those are the three gates that go to bring about in your heart. What you see, what you're hearing, giving attention to, what you're watching, keeping it in, in your eyes, and what you're seeing out of your mouth. When you're singing those lyrics back to, to a song that you know ain't got no nothing to do with Jesus at all, and you just up there singing, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and you like, oh, I just like the beat. But what you don't realize is those seeds are going down. They're coming in your ears, and it's getting down to your heart. And then one night when you ain't even think, ain't a song in your own, but it's already on the inside of your heart. So and you start singing that song, and they're like, what's going on with you? Man, all of a sudden, I got, and now you quote those lyrics back. Bum, 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 and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where did that stuff come from? Because the adversary was sowing it. In the, to your ground and then guess what if you're not sowing seeds the the word into your heart and you're not uprooting all those negative seeds and sowing good seeds in your heart guess what's going to happen and both of them are going to spring up and guess what's going to happen you're going to get a harvest from the words that you have been giving attention to to mingle means to contaminate to render impure to debase by mixture. Your adversary wants to mingle the seeds because he knows out of your heart, because he knows whatever is in your heart is what's going to produce life. Your is, is going to bring up the issues that's going to be going on in your life. He knows what's ever in your heart is going to defile you when it comes out of your mouth. He knows what's ever in your heart is going to be the way the, the way that you're going to think. It's going to be uh, influence your chooser, your feeler, your thinker. He already knows if I can create strongholds or fortified patterns of thinking in their mind. I can, he knows he can manipulate you and control you with what 
triggers. He can set up a situation and it will trigger something that you've been listening to, something that you've been watching, something that you've been hearing, something you've been saying that's in your heart and you will respond. And all he's going to do is sit back. <laughs> I got him. And he used you to do it. We're going to use this last one and then this is where we're going to stop. Ezra chapter 9 verse 1 says this. He says, and when these things were done, the leaders came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the land. With respect to the abominations of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jezebites and the Amorites and the Moabites and the Egyptians and the Amorites, they, for they have taken some of their daughters, which was forbidding, as their wives, as wives for themselves and their sons, so that they, so that the holy seed is mixed with peoples of those lands. Indeed, the hands of the leaders and rulers has been foremost in this trespass god has set up and told them don't intermingle with the people of this land don't intermingle with the separate yourself you're the holy sit you're the holy seed separate yourself separate yourself because when you get involved with them you say oh well it's okay i i i can change him or, or i'll get her to change but see what's going to happen is is they're their unrighteous seeds is going is will have more influence on your righteous seeds because you will be so much time trying to go go along to get along that they're sowing seeds into your field and they're watering those seeds in your field and they're nurturing those negative seeds in your field and it's and, and even though you're going to church but you're not spending any real time in the word and, and you're not spending any real time meditating on the word and, and you're not adhering to it and you're not living according to the word and you haven't set up any boundaries around you what's going to happen is they will they will flip you even though you have been trying to flip them is it that deep is it that serious let me see eternity with christ our eternity separated from god let me see is that serious why is it important because the words that come out of your mouth, the adversary's goal is to get you to mix your seeds, mingle your seeds to the point where they're contaminated, they're impure, and they're debased because of their mixture. He doesn't want you to get a harvest. He doesn't want you to see God's results for your life. And then you will get offended. You will get upset with God and say, God, is your fault. And God says, I have set the... I have given you all authority. I've given you all power. I've, I've set, I've given you my word. I've given you my Holy Spirit. And I told you the interest of my word gives you revelation. And when you continue my word, it begins to, when you continue it, you abide in it, you adhere to it, you will live according to it. He says, my word, God says, will make you free. But if you make a decision to mix your seeds or allow you expose yourself to things that don't line up with God's word, he says, you're mingling it and it becomes contaminated. And he's telling you, Set, separate yourself from this way, this world's way of doing things. Be transformed by the total renewing of your mind. 
Don't walk around with mingle seed. Don't walk around with mingle seed. You said, how do I change all that? Man, I've been walking around like it. How do I change it? Man, I'm so glad you asked because it's so simple. It's so simple a child can do it. According to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, he says this. He says, the word of God is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth, remember that mouth, confession is made. What's that mouth? A weapon. So even if you've been going the wrong way, you're going to you're going to repent. You're going to change your mind, change your thinking, change your actions and go in the way that you should go. How do you do that? Pray this prayer with me. Say it out of your mouth. Mean it from your heart. Say this. Say, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he was put in the grave, but now he's risen. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart save me now i repent of sin i'm sorry lord and i turn from them now in the name of jesus i receive your offer of forgiveness i receive the god kind of life i believe i'm born again now in jesus name amen and amen so if you pray that prayer for the very first time we want to welcome you into the kingdom of god welcome you back into right position welcome you back into a relationship with our lord and savior jesus christ now what do you do now man your next step you got to get it a bible-based church that teaches you about the death burial resurrection of jesus christ and about the love of god and the kingdom of god man we know that ignite depot is such a church and we love for you to join us here each week at 6 p.m 6 p.m on saturday each week here online at 6 p.m on saturdays to hear a right now word a, a relevant word a word that's in due season that will help you be a not only hear the word but to understand it and know how to apply it to your everyday life now if you miss it on saturday you can go back and watch it on thursday at 6 p.m or you can go on youtube facebook twitter under ignite depot center again that's ignite depot center or you can catch it on a podcast. Our podcast, Ignite the Number Two Life. Let's ignite the number two life and hear this message and have all, hear all the other messages we've preached in the past. Now, on, on behalf of Pastor Juin and myself and the entire Ignite Nation, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.